everyone, welcome to All Things Iceland. This is Jules, a native New Yorker that moved to Iceland in 2016. After falling in love with the country, I started the All Things Iceland podcast and social media channels in 2018 to share with travelers and others who are interested in Iceland about the country's fascinating history, culture, nature, language, and travel. Sharing insights, travel recommendations, folklore, interviews, and so much more have helped thousands to become more familiar with Iceland and have epic adventure. It's the end of 2023 and it's been quite the year in Iceland, my personal life, and of course, all things Iceland. This episode is a recap that hits on all those areas and I share what I have in store for 2024. Of course, included in my recap is an update about the most recent volcanic eruption and activity. Like most of my episodes, I will also have a random fact of the episode at the end and the Icelandic word of the episode to share as well. So I just want to point out first and foremost that I am doing this while I'm traveling in New York or traveling. I've traveled to New York from Iceland to spend the holidays with my mom and other family members. And I'm in an apartment where it's a little bit noisy. So I'm doing my best to record this. So if you hear any background noise, I apologize in advance. Such is life and making the most out of the situation. Just because I wanted to record this episode as close to the new year as I could. And I mean, the next few days, because this is December 29th that I am doing this. Something could happen, of course, the next few days. But as of right now, this information is what I have and up to date and is much of an update that I'm going to be able to give you before the new year. <laughs> so just starting out with my personal life first, just little bits. For those that listened to my five-year anniversary episode of the podcast in June, you know that me and Gunnar are no longer together. Deciding to split was not easy. And while the decision to no longer be together happened in 2022, our divorce was not finalized until July 2023. So the divorce process in Iceland is a minimum of six months. And there have certainly been some challenging times throughout the process, of course. I learned a lot about myself. And for the first time in a long time, I started living on my own and really just healing and doing all the things I needed for myself in order to get back into a really good mental headspace. And just, of course, with like work and everything. And even though I did continue to work on All Things Iceland and do different types of things and trips, I took a lot of much needed breaks for my personal well-being. And that helped me so much more to feel refreshed every time that I came back to publish videos, podcast episodes, or projects for other companies. While my life has changed drastically in the last couple of years, it has transformed me in ways I never imagined. So as I've shared in the past, Iceland is my home. I love being here. And it's where I plan to stay for the foreseeable future. Lastly, I saw my family so much more in 2023 than I have in the last previous years that I lived in Iceland, so over seven and a half years. And I came to the U.S. three different times for a decent amount of time each stay, which is quite a lot for me, but it was awesome. My mom was here as well from, you know, December of 2022 into almost February of 2020. Actually, through February, yeah, she was with me for seven or eight weeks, which was amazing because I had to move and everything. And <laughs> it's just uh, a lot of like moral supports and of course, physically helping me move. 
And I met some of my listeners or followers out in the streets of Reykjavik or in a coffee shop or a restaurant, different places. I'm often not able to meet up with people because of my schedule. But I have thoughts about hosting dinners where people visiting can dine and chat with me in person while they're in the country. So basically, they'd be pre-planned the dates so if they fit with your dates or if you want to plan your dates around that. There's a potential for that. So I'd love to hear people's feedback about it. Feel free to email me at jewels, J-E-W-E-L-L-S, at allthingsiceland.com or message me via Instagram if you're interested in that idea. Moving on to the All Things Iceland recap. Even though this fits into both the personal and professional part of my life, I'm just putting in the All Things Iceland part of it because it was such a joy to be one of the people featured on Geography of Bliss, which is a TV show hosted by Rain Wilson. For those who have not heard or seen it, the actor who played, most famously, Dwight Schrute on the U.S. version, the hit show The Office, hosted a travel show where he goes around the world to find out what happiness means in different cultures. So the first episode is Iceland. It was originally aired on Peacock, which is NBC's streaming service, but I think it's available now on several different platforms. And I've had people from many different parts of the world, mostly in the U.S., though, reach out to me and say that they've seen the show and they loved it and they enjoyed me being on it. So that was just a huge thing to happen in 2023 for me that I knew about it the year before, but (laughs) I couldn't talk about it. And I really didn't want to because it's like you never know if something gets cut or whatever else. So I just kept it close to my chest and I'm really glad that it came to fruition and that people were able to connect to, you know, deeper aspects about Iceland, whether it was through me or other people on the show. So not including this podcast episode, I published 32 episodes this year, which surprised me. And I feel like every time I look back, I'm like, wow, I did that many episodes. (laughs) And I'll say that just because there were a lot of things going on in my life that made it seem like I wasn't getting out as much content as maybe I had been because... For those who only listen to me on the podcast, I also have a YouTube channel, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and of course, this podcast. So there are many different places in which I do put out content. And sometimes it can feel like you're falling behind in places. And in reality, you know, we're all doing our best. So I do, though, feel like even though I put out 32, now 33 podcast episodes with this one, that I have a lot that I learned and stuff that I want to put out for 2024. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later when I get to the part in the episode about what is in store for All Things Iceland coming up in the future. So there have been a lot of great episodes, though, and I loved hearing from people either through reviews or through different social media platforms in which they say they listen to the podcast and they love it. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I didn't do as many interviews as I would have liked in 2023, but my fir- my faves <laughs> were with Chief Phil Fontaine from Canada and Eka Henson from Greenland. I learned so much from all of my interviews, but those two were particularly eye-opening for me in many ways. And I've linked to them, of course, in the show description on my website, allthingsicen.com, for this episode, if you would like to listen to them, if you didn't hear them. And the podcast in 2023 reached 187 countries last year, which is amazing. So for those who are curious, listeners from the U.S. are by far my largest audience. Shout out to all of you. Thank you. And the top seven countries that my my podcast reaches are, of course, the United States, like I mentioned, Canada, Iceland, 
the United Kingdom, Germany, Australia, and Norway. There are many European countries after that, but I love to see all of the ones on the list. Some that stood out to me as I scrolled through the list of 187 countries are Åland Islands, Cameroon, Honduras, Uzbekistan, Ethiopia, Costa Rica, the United Arab Emirates, which all gets clumped together, I guess, and Taiwan, which Taiwan actually had a pretty high amount of numbers in terms of listeners, like in the thousands. So really cool. And I'm so excited to have such an international audience and reaching so many people. It's an honor to reach one person, but to have reached over 846,000 listeners in the lifespan of the podcast absolutely blows my mind. So I have so much gratitude for all of you. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, using using the insight that you learned on the show for your trips and then letting me know about it, leaving reviews, all of that. Greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. And I look forward to more exciting content coming up very soon. My next section is about biggest news stories of the year. Now, I have to state that I'm not talking about all the possible big news stories. There were quite a few in Iceland, but uh, of course there's, there's ones like the volcanic eruption. But I'm going to share some information about a few of them. Like I'm going to talk about the volcanic eruption specifically more in detail, just because I know a lot of people want to know about that. But I will also talk about a few others in detail. And then the rest of the stories that I have, which altogether are 13, will be more like headlines. So just keep that in mind. And I'll have a link to all of those stories in the description of this particular episode of allthingsiceland.com. So you can check that out if you want to read the stories in English from an Icelandic publication yourself, which would totally make sense if that is something you're interested in doing. But I'm just going to roll into it now. So as many of you have heard in my last episode, we had another eruption, a volcanic eruption that's two in one year in the same area, not the exact same place, but the same area, which is the Reykjanes Peninsula. Litli Hrutur eruption, which started on July 10th, was the first one this year, and it was over by August 8th. It was in an isolated area on the Reykjanes Peninsula. The biggest issue that came up during that eruption is that there were large moss fires, which made it difficult breathing conditions for hikers on the site. So, of course, that was, you know, one of those things that was kind of alarming for people going to it, but it didn't pose any danger to infrastructure or any type of towns. At the end of October, the town of Grindavik started to experience constant earthquakes. Now, granted, constant earthquakes are something that are experienced if a volcanic eruption is about to happen. So for the one that happened over the summer, for instance, there were constant earthquakes. So it's not like that never happened before. But for this time around in the fall, constant earthquakes, really big ones, many of them felt, many of the big ones felt in Reykjavik area. By November, the town had been evacuated and facilities like the Blue Lagoon were shut down for safety reasons because of a potential eruption. Magma was underneath the town, was being measured as underneath the town and potentially would come up underneath the town or even potentially underneath the Blue Lagoon or the Svartstinki power station. So this was pretty concerning. And according to Iceland Review, I'm just quoting, so quote, the damage to homes and infrastructure in Grindavik because of earthquakes could amount to 10 billion Icelandic kroner, or $71.4 million, or 66.3 million euros. According to the Director of Natural Catastrophe Insurance of Iceland, before paying out damages, authorities must reconsider the town's zoning plan and whether some areas will be deemed no longer safe for residential housing, end quote. 
So I got that from Iceland Review, which is a English publication that talks about Icelandic news here. On December 18th at 10.17, an eruption started on the Reykjanes Peninsula. So like I mentioned, there had been a bunch of earthquakes, damage to streets, houses, and all that stuff. But then an eruption happened. And actually that day, December 18th, my grandma's birthday, and I was in Rochester, New York, <laughs> visiting my grandma there, and ended up doing a video about it in her living room, which is kind of interesting as well. And yes, yeah, so I started on on that day, and it was north of Grindavik, so close to the Blue Lagoon, like right across the street, but far away from all of those places to not harm them. Granted, not terribly far, but still far enough. Plus, a protection wall made of lava rock had been constructed around the Blue Lagoon and Svartstinki power plant to try and protect them. Surprisingly, the eruption started really strong and pumping out a faster rate of lava than the last three, but it also ended after two days, which is, well, it was so strong and then it just just went out. (laughs) It's hard to to think that um, something like that, that had a rate of lava coming out more than the others, could just abruptly stop doing anything. And so because the eruption had died down and there weren't a lot of earthquakes, some people were who lived in Grindavik or basically have residency in Grindavik were able to spend Christmas at home this year, which is really nice. The Blue Lagoon was closed from November until December 17th. They opened on that day. And of course, on the 18th, they were open. And then they had to have an emergency close again because the eruption happened. So the Blue Lagoon is now closed again, and on their website, it states that they will reevaluate their status on December 29th. Of course, I'll keep people up to date, but for the moment, a lot of people are going to Sky Lagoon. That's getting booked up, so if you're looking to go there, you have to make reservations in advance. I also recommend to people, for an alternative, go to the local swimming pools. Logatalsloeg in Reykjavik is the biggest one. There's also tons of other swimming pools around the city. There's a lot of them. So you don't have to necessarily go to the Blue Lagoon or Sky Lagoon. There are places where you can enjoy hot tubs. Uh, if you want to go to the sauna, steam room, and things like that. The next story is about an Icelandic woman who was extradited to Norway for the custody of her children. So her name is Etta Björk Atnatortir, and she was extradited to Norway amidst widespread controversy reported by Ruv, which is in a national news station here, and she was charged with unlawfully taking her three sons from Norway to Iceland last year, defying a Norwegian court's custody decision favoring the child's father, or the children's father. Defying a Norwegian court's custody decision favoring the children's father. The father, who is Icelandic, but he's a resident in Norway, had legal custody. Despite that, Etta Björk used a private jet, retrieved her kids from Norway, and brought them back to Iceland without the father's consent. This is at least according to what the news is saying. Four months ago, Norwegian authorities requested her extradition for trial. Before being extradited, she was detained at a prison in Iceland where her supporters, many of her friends, and others abroad were actually trying to prevent her extradition and, you know, making this known in the news. She's currently being held in a high-security Norwegian prison awaiting sentencing This has caused such a stir, like I mentioned, in Iceland and abroad, many people being in support of Etta Björk and that she didn't need to be extradited, but that she was willing to go on her own and and things like that. So quite the case and quite intense one as well with a lot of different emotions involved. The next one is about the women's strike. So it's estimated that between 70,000 to 100,000 people gathered at Atnarholt, 
for the women's strike. And this is on the 24th of October, 2023. And there's a lot that I could say about this. I was there. It was an amazing event, amazing solidarity, speeches, and the energy was just so great. And the weather was great as well, which is quite unusual for Iceland. So there are some demands that were made and expressed at the women's strike at a meeting specifically beforehand by the organizers and then at the event itself. I'll read out just five of those, but I also will have a link for more information about the strike and the demands that people you know, might want to read if they're curious. So one of them being, we demand correction of the undervaluation of the so-called, quote, women's, unquote, work. Next is the employers stop discounting their wages to women and women's rights. Third, we demand specific measures. I'm reading this out as if it's being read at the strike, of course. So we demand specific measures to correct the conditions of the poorest women and men because no one should have to live in poverty. Fourth, we demand that wage inequality and discrimination be eliminated. Fifth, that women and men can survive on their wages and have the opportunity to develop in their work to the same level as men. The next article is about Icelanders being disappointed in the government's response to Gaza and not calling for an immediate ceasefire. This took quite a while, to be honest, for the Icelandic government to take a stance on this. The Prime Minister, Katrin Jakobsdottir, she didn't receive 2,000 signatures on people requesting for a ceasefire. There were Icelandic musicians that performed for Palestine, meaning like in solidarity and to raise money. There have been protests happening consistently in Iceland, in front of parliament. And so after many weeks of pressure, and one of the ministers uh, ended up getting glitter, red glitter thrown at him during an event that he was at. So I think it was like the day after that happened because people wanted to be like, you know, blood spread or shed that ended up the government decided to agree to an immediate ceasefire. So lots of efforts going on there. The fourth has to do with Icelandic roads being considered the least lethal worldwide. So there's a survey from the OECD member states, and they consider factors as road deaths per 100,000, overall road quality, speed limits, traffic volume and levels, and percentages of alcohol-related deaths. So for Iceland, came in first place for the least likely to die on the road with only 2.05 road deaths per 100,000. Norway came in second at 2.12, followed by Switzerland in third with 2.25. So the survey, they stated, despite poor weather conditions and many unpaved roads, Icelandic drivers are some of the least likely in the world to face fatalities on the road. And Iceland is a hub for tourism. Many popular roads around the Golden Circle and Reykjavik are tarmacked and well-maintained compared to the sparsely populated center of the country, which is connected by a network of gravel roads. So that's just something that's helpful because people are often letting me know how afraid they are driving in Iceland during the winter. I totally understand that, taking precaution. It seems like many of you are taking precaution or not traveling when it's unsafe, and that's helping to keep everyone else safe, of course, too, so people don't have to try and you know, rescue you if you get caught somewhere out because there had been signs or warnings about not going. So maybe that hopefully that gives some people relief to know that in Iceland, it's at least least lethal. <laughs> Number one, least lethal worldwide. Number five has to do with whaling in Iceland, which has been such an intense topic and brought a lot of attention from abroad as well. At one point, there was a temporary ban 
on whaling, so basically killing whales. And then after being extended, it was lifted. And there's one company who honestly doesn't even need whaling to survive as a company. This is just one, the owners wish to do this, in essence. Started whaling, uh, hunting, I should say, and was killing whales. And yeah, there were a lot of protests that happened, is what I'm trying to get at. And people being horrified and many people from abroad saying that they don't want to come to Iceland because of this. To each their own. Just know that the majority of the nation does not agree with this. And it is not as if Icelanders are going around being like, no big deal. Many of them, in fact, how the efforts are being pushed to stop whaling, stop hunting by Icelanders, for sure. So this is not something that in the country people are not taking seriously. Next story is that one in four preschool children has a foreign background. And this is really starting to change the landscape of Iceland, I think, in a really positive way. There's lots of diversity coming in. But these kids are in preschool. They're learning the language. But they're also coming with other culture to help Iceland expand in terms of understanding of the outside world. Because this island is very isolated. And while many Icelanders do travel, it's not necessarily at their homes where they're being presented with it. Whereas now... At your home, you might have someone who's from a totally different background that's part of your family now that adds value in their own way to the country while also trying to assimilate. And of course, these kids with a foreign background, they're Icelanders. They're growing up in Iceland, learning Icelandic, learning Icelandic culture, and like I mentioned, mixing in the culture they also have at home that could be different from just one parent or maybe even multiple parents, depending on the situation. My next news story, which was a big surprise for a lot of people, is that Iceland's first cacao fruit was made into chocolate. Now, it's just one cacao fruit, so don't expect anytime soon that Icelandic chocolate, like made from, made from a cacao fruit, will be on the mass market. But you never know. There are greenhouses here. Maybe it might become so popular that it's a thing. I think it would take a long time if, if at all becomes possible. So my next one is about the opioid crisis in Iceland. I know a lot of people don't know about this, but it is something that's kind of under the rug in many ways, swept under the rug. And it's sad because people think of Iceland as being this utopia and people being so happy, but drug use and abuse is everywhere. And so kind of in a way of being able to reduce or reverse the effects of the opioids, there has been increased distribution of this nasal spray, which I think is called naloxone, if I'm saying it correctly. So over 1,730 doses of that has been distributed in the country to companies, organizations, assisting individuals who are struggling with opioid addiction. Now, 1,700 does not sound like a lot to many people in different countries, but Iceland, we're not, we're not that big. So to have that many people who need this in order to get themselves into a place where they can get off of this, you know, get away from this addiction and uh, be able to live a life in which they're not dependent on these types of drugs or craving them is a huge thing. So, of course, that's continuing. And hopefully all of these efforts help. Number 10 is when it comes to hiking in the wintertime, it's very, very, very important to know there's certain places that maybe it's not best to do it. And specifically Glimur, which is the second highest waterfall in Iceland. Really tall, really beautiful, great to go there in summertime. In the wintertime, it can be pretty tricky. Unfortunately, there have been deaths there, death a death this year. And in essence, people, authorities especially, want to prevent people from being able to go to Glimur, the waterfall, 
to hike during the wintertime. There are professional ice climbers and people who are like mega enthusiasts who do this and go to the waterfall when it's completely frozen over to hike it, to climb it, I should say. They hike there and then climb. But there are also just regular people come to visit the country and go and don't realize the dangerous conditions and can fall, unfortunately, to their deaths. And that has happened. It did happen this year. It's really sad. So I would not put Glimmer on your list of places to go in winter, just FYI. There are plenty of other places to enjoy, but maybe, you know, to stay away from that one. And if you're coming in summer, you could be able to enjoy it safely. Number 11 is a highly criticized immigration bill that was passed in Iceland. So this bill strips asylum seekers of their rights, including access to housing and health care. And 30 days after the asylum seekers application have been rejected or has been rejected, it basically makes it that they have no rights to anything. So if they have are still in the country, which many of them still are, they become homeless, they're hungry. Like it's 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 very controversial and basically inhumane. And so human rights organizations in Iceland have strongly opposed the bill, including the Red Cross, UNICEF, and Amnesty International. Next up is about Elon Musk, which you never thought you'd be hearing about that when it comes to Iceland, but him and Halle got into an argument. So Halle is very much almost kind of like a hero here. He's in a wheelchair and he sold his company, Ueno, which was a design company to Twitter and has been working with Twitter. That's part of his deal. It's part of his payment, in essence. And they bought the company. And that was before Elon Musk took over Twitter, which is now X. And Halle had this whole thing where he ended up trying to log in to Twitter, do his work, and he was completely shut out. Like his password didn't work, everything. HR was not responding to him. So he went on Twitter and he tweeted Elon Musk about it. And Elon Musk went off on him and basically made it seem like Halle was lazy, wasn't doing any work. And all he does is oversee things. He doesn't actually physically do any work. And he didn't know that Halle has muscular dystrophy and... Uh, he has continuously been deteriorating in terms of being able to use his muscles. So what the work that he does do is that of oversight of what other designers are doing, because that's what he's capable of doing at the moment. And yeah, it just exploded into Elon making himself look like he was uninformed about what's happening in his own company, which he probably was, because the interesting part is once he did find out what was going on with Halle, he ended up apologizing to him, which is kind of rare for Elon Musk to do as far as I'm aware. So yeah, and, and Halle was reinstated back at Twitter, which is, the whole thing was crazy. But that story had, had blown up and was abroad as well and <laughs> regarding what happened. And when it comes to a lot of different protests happening in Iceland, this one in particular has to do with wage protests. I do talk about how in Iceland it's an important thing to be paid a livable wage. It does not mean, though, with all the inflation that's happening and everything, that it's always the case that every job is enough. You're paying enough. And like I mentioned, as cost of living is changing, sometimes the companies are not keeping up with that. And so that's why we have unions. And those unions fight on behalf of employees in order to fight for better wages. And so in February of uh 2023. There were hotels that had to shut down because workers who are cleaners, so people who are more blue collar people, they were striking and they were like, we've had enough. And so there was a huge wage dispute that eventually was taken care of, meaning agreements were made, but it went on for quite some time. And 
and was really intense. So just as an FYI, there were even some wage disputes going on with air traffic controllers right before the eruption and flights had been canceled and, and things like that. So this happens pretty often in Iceland, there are wage disputes, not always with the same groups or the same unions, but it can for sure be a thing that creates, creates quite a stir, but normally in the case that it's necessary, you know, and like the one I just mentioned about the hotel shuttering and, and for people who are cleaning, who are cooks and all that jazz. It, it's really a shame when you hear about some of what they're getting paid. It's not enough, especially if you're going to live anywhere close to downtown Reykjavik. But those are all of my news stories that I'm going to be sharing for this episode, for this wrap up. And what I have in store for 2024. So I have a big announcement, really excited. And that is that I am developing a digital guide to Iceland. So I'm working on this digital guide and it will be helping those who want to plan their visit to Iceland. And even those who just want to learn more. But really for those who want to plan. And I do these one-on-one consultation calls. If you're interested in those, you could definitely check them out on my website under this, the tab Trip Planning Help. But not everyone has, you know, the time for that. And they just want the information about let's just say, the spectacular regions of Iceland and why it's worth it to visit those places. And in essence, this digital guide is a version of a guidebook, but with so much more. So like videos, like I mentioned, that talk about the spectacular regions of the country, a brief history about Iceland, Icelandic phrases, what to pack, how to prepare for coming to the country, and tons more. And it's more extensive than anything I've ever done. And there's plenty of information on the guide that you won't find on any of my platforms, including the podcast, which I have a lot of episodes on the podcast. This will be launched, like I mentioned, in 2024. And the first announcement that I'll make about it will be to my email list. So if you'd like to be one of the first to access this digital guide, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website, allthingslesson.com, in the description of this podcast episode. Next up, this is really exciting, is I'm going to start with most of my episodes, many of them in any way, to have an Ask Jewels feature in which uh, you can submit questions about Iceland to me that you want to ask for me to answer. I will collect them. And then when there's like a decent amount, maybe like 10 or so, I will do an Ask Me Anything style podcast episode. And as I go on, of course, the more questions I get, and any question you have is totally fine. Nothing's off limits. I will do several episodes throughout the year answering those questions. So it'll just give people a chance to engage with me in a different way that you have been able to on the podcast that I think would be lots of fun. Another fun announcement is that I'm starting to do Folklore Friday as a new part of the podcast. And of course, I'm stoked about it. <laughs> and the goal is to put out an Icelandic folklore story every Friday in 2024. So we'll be working hard on that over here. And of course, doing more interviews in the new year. I already have three amazing people lined up who I think will share loads of great information as well as provide insight into Iceland. So keep your eye out for that. The random fast episode is, well, no one is for sure knowing if the previous eruption is over or if it's just taking a break. Hopefully it's over. Uh, however, some experts are saying that there might be an eruption around New Year's Eve or on New Year's Day, and that's intense. So we shall see what happens, and I will update you, of course, if anything new does occur. The Sunday phrase of the episode is Gledelect neat aur. I'll say it slower. Gledelect neat aur, which means 
Happy New Year! <laughs> As always, thank you so much for this amazing year. 2023 has been transformative in lots of different ways, and I greatly appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Flusta og glædelægt mit out.